This podcast is brought to you by Langley and Benack, a full-service South and Central Texas law firm that delivers the highest quality legal advice coupled with exceptional client service. From our main office in San Antonio, we provide the resources of a national firm while maintaining close ties to the communities in which we practice. To learn more, please visit us at langleybenack.com. That's langleybenack.com or call us at 210-736-6600. Today's episode is part two of a five-part series on family law. This series is hosted by Sharla Davies. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in the Langley and Benack podcast are for information purposes only and should not be considered legal or professional advice for any particular situation. The presentation of this informational content does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you would like to meet with one of our attorneys, please contact us through our website at www.langleybenack.com or call us at 210-736-6600. Hello everyone, this is Sharla Davies. I'm here again today talking to you from uh, my offices at Langley Benack in San Antonio, Texas. Um, going to be discussing the question that a lot of people have, a lot of people I'm sure ask themselves. I've asked myself personally, you know, am I ready to get divorced? And it's, um, it's a big step. I know this from personal experience. And so one of the things that I wanted to share with you today is what I share um, with anyone that comes to see me, um, just how we move forward. And, and here's something, and, and anytime I have a consultation with a potential client who um, is ready to divorce or is unsure, um, I always go over um, a few questions. And, and the first one I ask is, are you sure, are you sure this is what you want to do? Um, because it is a big decision and it does have implications for you and for your partner and your children and all of your family members, um, in-laws, uh, you name it. It definitely has a big impact on, on your life. And so some of the things I, um, I recommend initially, um, and, and people think, well, I've been to marriage counseling. Um, yes, I'm ready. Um, there is a new type of uh, counseling that's available for parties who are um, in the process of, of deciding whether or not they want to work on their relationship or if it is time um, to end that relationship and form a new one. And it's called discernment counseling. And so I have uh, a few counselors that do this and oftentimes if I have somebody that comes to me and you know they're just not sure and they want to feel like they've done everything they can before um, they go forward with dissolving uh, their marriage um, I, I, I send them to discernment counseling and it it is um, it's quite a, I think it's quite effective and I think it's an important step um, for various reasons um, if you are thinking about getting divorced say you're the one ready to leave but your partner isn't um, discernment counseling can help sort that out because um, if one partner is ready to divorce and the other isn't, 
um, it can end up costing, number one, it can take a lot of time to get divorced and it can end up costing more money than it should. And what I always say is information is your best weapon. Um, I have met with people from time to time throughout the years who very wisely just want to know what the options are. They'll come to talk to me. They'll, they'll pay for an hour of my time um, for me to consult them, and I answer all their questions, provide them as much information as possible uh, regarding uh, divorce and the laws in Texas. Um, there are so many people, you, you have no idea. They, they, they'll, they'll come to me, and they think they know what the law is, and I, when I point that out, they had no idea, you know, because a lot of people get their information um, from their friends, from uh, the news, from Googling uh, various uh, various topics. And I, you know, I think that the first thing I, advise, I would advise anybody to do is, is talk to an attorney, talk to a family law attorney. And I think it's, um, it's always a good idea to talk to someone who specializes in family law because that's all they do. Um, and you also have to understand the process before you jump into it because it's really, it can be uncomfortable, it can be unsettling. Um, a lot of people feel like they're, you know, they have no privacy, their life is being, is under a microscope. And, and for, I mean, honestly, it really is, um, especially if you have any kind of contested issues. Um, everything you do, where you go, where you spend your money, um, who you're with, um, where are your kids when you're doing these things, all of these things come into play, especially if you've got um, uh, a custody issue. Oftentimes, I see people, especially um, the spouse who's been the stay-at-home spouse, um, who's, who comes to me, knows that they are unhappy, um, wants to do something different, but doesn't know what to do. Uh, and, and I think that that's the scariest position to be in, is to be someone who has been financially dependent on somebody else, and you're ready to let that go, but you don't know what it's going to look like. And... Um, that's what a, you know, a consultation with, with an attorney can, can provide you. It can give you options. It can give you information. Um, an example, I had a client. I, you know, I've had this happen more than one time. I have a client that comes to me that is scared to death, that doesn't know what they're going to do. Um, and it's a matter of we need to plan out you know, what, what you need to get done to be ready to take this step. Because if you are afraid, if you aren't confident in what you're going to do post-divorce, that can be used against you. and um, it, it, it makes a big difference in, in your ability to either negotiate a good deal or to be able to go and testify in a courtroom um, about what you're asking for and why you're asking for it. And so a lot of times, um, I think my first question is, okay, what do you want your life to look like post-divorce? And, you know, I, oftentimes I hear people talk about wanting to have the same kind of life as they had before. And honestly, that's just not realistic. Um, the only way you can have a similar life um, is, is if you stay married to that person. Um, oftentimes, you know, we're two income households. One may be a lot more than the other, um, but that doesn't mean that um, the standard in Texas isn't really, we're going to maintain your lifestyle. It is do you have enough money to meet your your minimum basic needs 
and um, that that's difficult, especially for the the, the party who has not been uh, working full time or really doing really working outside the home at all. So there's a big difference. So um, one of the things I do is like, what do you want to have your life look like? And you know, for someone, I mean, I've had people who've come to me, they hadn't worked in many years, um, but they, it's like, okay, what do you want to do? What do you want to do for your, for your career? And it's a matter of what do I have to do to get there? What schooling do I need to do? Um, is it a matter of just a, a class or two um, at, at my local college to get a degree in whatever or get my teacher certification, whatever you need to do? Um, it makes a difference. And so, I, I definitely feel more comfortable for the person if they have their own income um, because the worst thing that you can do, whether you're a man or a woman, is be is rely on somebody else to pay you every month so that you can pay your, your rent, your mortgage, your utilities, buy food. You need to be able to support yourself. That's all there is to it. And what does that mean? Well, number one, you have to know what you have. You have to know what assets you have. Um, so one of the things I ask people to do is to gather as, mi- as much information as you can. And that includes things like tax returns, bank statements, credit card statements, um, anything related to your home. You know, what, what do you owe on your home? What is the monthly mortgage? Um, you need to know these things um, because that's how you make a decision about what what you're going to do, whether you're going to be able to stay in the family home without the other party's um, income. If there is um, an, an asset that, that, you know, how much of this, uh, how much of the retirement am I going to get? How much of the equity in the house am I going to get? So there's all these questions that people have, and it's a matter of, this is how I explain it every time, you take everything that you have and you just basically put it into a big pie, and then you slice the pie up, and it looks different every time. For example, if we have a home with a lot of equity and we have a retirement account, if they're about the same, one party can get their retirement, the other can get the house. And it's a nice clean break. That doesn't always happen. And so when I've got someone that comes to me, the first thing I give them, not not only do I give them, um, I, I gather some information. One of them is, here's a list. I need you to get me all of this information about your assets. Here's a spreadsheet for a monthly budget with all these different categories. Go through it and fill in what you have to pay every month. Um, If it's in the home that you're staying in, or if you want to go get, if you want to move out and get your own place, go find places to rent. Get get those ideas before we ever start this process because you need to know how much you're going to need, especially if you've not been the party who's been earning the majority of of the, the money. There's also times that you can, that I'll refer people to a financial planner. Um, And I don't mean financial planner like someone who invests your money for you. I'm talking about like a divorce financial planner. Somebody that can help you come up with a budget if if it's something you just aren't comfortable doing on your own. Because, um, again, ending a marriage is an extremely stressful time. And you need to have people that are around you that are thinking clearly. Because I promise you, you're not always thinking clearly. Um, I've been divorced now for about 12 years and um, 
I, you know, I was employed at the time, thank goodness, but I had a young child. And so I, I understand there's so many things to think about um, when this is going on. And you're certainly not in the right space. And you definitely need people with cool, calm heads um, around you to help you. And so somebody that a divorce, divorce financial planner can do that. Um, some of the first things I'm asked, especially by the party who has not been the breadwinner, is do I get, am I getting any support after divorce? And that question is always answered. It's always answered with it depends. It depends on many factors. It depends on how long you've been married. It depends on how much money the other spouse makes. Um, it depends on how much you have uh, as far as your assets to divide. Um, meaning if you've got a, a sizable estate, you might get a little bit more of that. You're not necessarily going to need um, monthly support afterward. At least that's the idea in Texas. Um, again, Texas, um, our law is basically, it's, it's can you survive um, and meet your basic minimum needs with what you've been given in the property, then there's not going to be much need for maintenance. Um, typically, the people I see who get, get maintenance post-divorce um, have been stay-at-home stay parents and have not worked for many years um, to, and maybe haven't finished their schooling. So that's a good, that's a situation, that's a way to transition from um, relying on your partner to becoming self, self-sufficient. Um, people have heard about alimony. Um, alimony is, is contractual, which means you can enter into a contract with your partner to pay you X amount of dollars every month over so many, so many months. Um, and there's also what they call court-ordered spousal maintenance. And the court-ordered spousal maintenance um, can be ordered by a judge. Um, alimony cannot. Um, and, and so it's important to know the distinction between those two things. Um, again, I think of spousal maintenance or alimony not so much as a way to support yourself post-divorce, but as a way to help you get to where you can support yourself. Another big question people come talk to me is, is, is your children, you know, what does that look like? Um, if I, if, if I want to get divorced and the other parent, um, you know, I've been the one doing all the work. I've been the one that, that goes to the doctors, handles the, the teacher conferences, does their homework with them. I do everything. Um, what do I do about my kids? I can't, I can't have my kids go over there with him. He doesn't know what he's doing or she doesn't know what she's doing. At the end of the day, it's, if you get divorced, your kids are going to have to, you're going to have to spend time away from your kids and they will go spend time with the other parent. Um, even though they may not be as good as you are, they don't do it the way you do. They're going to have time, the ability to spend time with, with their children. Um, you do, you have to share your kids. It's not something where one of you gets them all the time and the other doesn't. Um, I see people, you know, focused on that all the time. I want the kids. I want to be the, the primary parent. I want to make all the decisions. Um, and it's, it's one thing if that's how you were doing it when you were married, but if you weren't doing it that way when you were together, um, the likelihood that that's going to change post-divorce is, is very slim. Um, if you've got two involved parents, um, you know, it, 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 that's where it becomes difficult. Um, court, you know, a court will decide for you if, if it must, but I guarantee you, you'd much rather make that decision between you and the other parent um, than have somebody else make that decision. There are lots of issues regarding our ch children that um, people want to know about. We've, I've, you know, 
calculating child support, what is that based on? Again, people think it's based on every penny that we pay for whatever the kids need. That's that's really not how child support works. Child support, again, is sort of like a uh, an amount that is determined. Are, we have a statute that provides a percentage of the person who the kids don't live with most of the time um, or who earns way more money than the other um, pays a, a percentage of their um, net monthly income. And that is paid to the other parent. And the idea is it replaces the portion of that parent's income that if you were still married, if you were still living together, would go towards the children. Um, so that means that mom and dad both have a duty to support the, these kids. It's not one or the other, it's both of them together. So, you know, dad's income, uh, dad's contribution will be via child support and mom's contribution will be, uh, you know, whatever her income is. Um, and that it all kind of goes into one pot. Um, oftentimes I'm asked, I, I, or I'm told, I want to tell the other party how to spend this money. Meaning, if I'm going to give them X amount of dollars every month, $1,000 every month, I want to make sure it's being used for this activity or that activity, or it goes into college, um, goes into a college fund. At the end of the day, you don't have a say. You write the check to the other parent and they have discretion over how it's spent. Um, it, it's something that a lot of people have a hard time, uh, have a hard time with, but that's just the way it works. There's also issues regarding health insurance. Um, oftentimes when parties are married, one of the spouses um, carries health insurance for the whole family. Post-divorce, that spouse is probably going to continue carrying it for the kids. Um, but the spouse that is getting divorced, they can't stay on that plan because they're no longer a dependent of that employee or a family member of that employee. So part of preparing for divorce, if you are the spouse who, who's not working, who doesn't have their own health insurance, is figuring out what that looks like. Um, a lot of times um, your, your spouse's employer provides some um, temporary health insurance after you get divorced, but you have to pay a high premium. That's what you hear when you hear people talk about COBRA. That's what that is. Um, so you pay a rather high premium to maintain the same health insurance um, because you're no longer under the, um, the company. You're no longer under the employee's uh, dependence. And then, you know, it's a matter of, all right, am I going to get a job that has health insurance or am I going to look online? And there's various brokers that you can go to that can kind of help you find, you know, a good um, health insurance coverage for you that will take care of you at least temporarily until you can figure out what you need to do. Um, sometimes you can negotiate that in, in the, the final settlement, but it's not guaranteed. The good thing about health insurance is that um, if you file for divorce and your spouse is the one carrying the health insurance, they can't cut you off. Um, They're not allowed to do that. There are some standing orders in Bear County that have a, a, a laundry list of what you can and can't do in divorce. And one of those things is cancel health insurance. Oftentimes these days, another thing that comes up is, is kids' extracurricular activities. And that's another hard one. Because depending on where your children are, it will depend on what you end up doing uh, post-divorce. So if you've got young children that, that do a little here and there, it's not a real big issue. Um, you're kind of left to you know, work it out as they get older. Um, if you have a child that's older that's, say, um, uh, you know, an athlete that uh, participates 
uh, indifferent. There's club sports. There's also UIL sports that they do through their schools. Um, that child's schedule is, is determined by what activity they're in. When they're younger, um, you often hear people take issue with one parent signing the child up for an activity that takes place during the other parent's time. And is that fair to, to the other parent? No, this is something that both parents need to get on board with because it is a commitment to, to have a child in an extracurricular activity. And you need to make sure, number one, that the other parent can do it. You know, it, it may be an, an issue of, okay, you scheduled this during my time, but I've got this scheduled and you didn't talk to me about that. You have no idea how many times I've had to deal with that. Um, in, in the realm of family law. So that's something I want you to think about, you know, what are my kids doing? How am I going to make sure that everybody, you know, gets to continue doing what they're doing? Um, I can't afford club sports, but my spouse can. And what, you know, how are we going to get that taken care of? And, and, that, and that's something that that's part of the negotiation. Um, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's, it's something that's not, that needs to be figured out and thought about. And what are you going to do? You know, a court can order certain things. Um, it doesn't always order one parent to pay all the expenses. It really just depends on their financial situation when you're getting divorced. The other thing I think that, that I think it's important pe for people to know is if you're ready to go forward and get divorced, then once it's all said and done, if you have children, it's not all said and done. So anything that you agree to at the time of divorce or that is ordered by a court at the time of divorce is subject to being modified in the future if, you know, things change and lots of things change. Um, we get older, we move, um, we get remarried, um, we have step-siblings, we have all kinds of different things. There's all kinds of components that come into play. Uh, you might have um, one, one parent that develops a drug or alcohol problem. Um, all of these things can come up and until your child is 18 out of high school, they are you know, subject to being modified if necessary. That's another one of the issues I deal with quite regularly. Um, modifying the amount of child support you're, that, that the one party is paying and, and how you're, you're thinking, how can that change? Well, it can change if, if, they, if they lose a job, that if, they make, um, if they're making a substantially high income, they can't get another job, um, they're going to get their child support reduced. This is another reason I tell people who, who receive child support, don't rely on that money to make your monthly bills. Do whatever you need to do. That's extra money. Um, I know it's hard because I know a lot of people that's in their budget. And I've seen it happen more than one time where I've got my money and I get this check and I rely on this check. Well, what happens if you don't get that check one day? That That's a real hard pill to swallow. And I think that this is where I also kind of counsel people, you know, and it's what I did when I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this much child support, but I don't factor it into my monthly budget. Um, if I get it, great, and it's awesome. If I don't get it, I'm okay. That That's sort of how I've always operated. Um, and I think that that's important for anyone. So, um, I, you know, I, there, there's a lot to think about when um, you are considering divorce. And I think, you know, it's, it's never a waste of time to, to get information because information is power. Um, and I thank you for your time, and I will see you next time. Thanks.
you for joining us today for the Langley and Benack podcast. Please subscribe to get the latest updates. If you would like to meet with one of our attorneys, please contact us through our website, www.langleybenack.com or call us at 210-736-6600.